We'll take our text this morning from the book of 1 Thessalonians. We'll be looking at chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 13 through 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This morning, with the Lord's help, we'll be considering the doctrine of the rapture. This is a subject that should interest everybody. Because whether you're alive when that event takes place or not, or whether you've passed away before that event takes place, this is something that will profoundly affect every one of us, one way or the other. Paul was addressing the believers in Thessalonica. He said, comfort one another with these words. So for some, this glorious day, this event will be uh, the culmination of everything a Christian has ever longed for. For others, it will be a day of horror and terror and dread, but we'll be looking at this doctrine this morning. We'll approach it by asking four questions, and of course, we'll look to the scriptures for the answers. What is the rapture? How will it happen? Why must it happen, and when will it take place? We'll look at the first question. What is the rapture? Well, the word rapture means to be caught up or suddenly removed or taken away. You don't actually find the word rapture in Scripture. However, its theme and its imminence is really woven throughout the Scriptures. We see examples of those who were uh, raptured or caught up or taken away. In the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 39, we read the account of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. We know as uh, Philip met that man in the desert and explained to him the plan of salvation and preached to him Christ, that man was saved. And as they came by that body of water, the Ethiopian asked to be baptized. So it says as they went down into that water and he baptized that man, it says as they came up out of the water, it says the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. There one moment, gone the next. The Lord transported Philip back to wherever it was that he sent him. And it said that that Ethiopian man went on his way rejoicing. But we see one example of being caught up or carried away. Hebrews 11.5 gives us the example of a man by the name of Enoch. He said, the word of God says that Enoch was translated, that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. You know, Enoch, it said he began to walk with the Lord, I believe at 60 or 65 years of age. And for the next 300 years, he walked faithfully with the Lord. And it said one day, 
The Lord translated him. He was there one moment and gone the next. So we see an example there. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, we read about the prophet Elijah who was caught up and taken away by a whirlwind into heaven. Even in our text, in verse 17, it says that we are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds. So we see this theme throughout the Word of God, throughout Scripture. Often we associate the rapture of the church with the second coming of Christ. We hear both mentioned, but we realize too, the Scriptures let us know that the second coming of Christ actually consists of two separate appearances. The rapture of the church, or when Christ catches away his bride, is the first appearance, and that's the one we will be focusing in on this morning, but we know about a second appearance, and that will be the revelation of Christ at the end of that seven-year tribulation period. It says when Christ comes back with his saints to execute judgment on the ungodly and the wicked. So we see two parts to the second coming of Christ, but it's the rapture when Christ comes for his bride, and the revelation of Christ is when Christ comes with his bride to rule the nation. So it's this first event we must prepare our hearts for. This is the next great event on God's prophetic calendar. The Bible tells us history in advance. You know, one day, just like the Word of God says, it will take place. Those who have been redeemed and saved, those who are part of the bride of Christ, will be caught up. Those who aren't will be left behind. It tells us that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Our dearly departed saints who died with the hope and the expectation of seeing the Lord's return. Of course, we know the Word of God also lets us know that their souls are immediately transported into the presence of the Lord. But on this day, this uh, rapture, and that day their physical bodies will be reunited with their souls in heaven. Those that were maybe buried at sea or lost their life on a battlefield, those in the little country cemeteries, wherever the saints may be, they will rise first. You know, I thought of it. The Garden of Hope up there at Lincoln Memorial is going to be a pretty empty place after the rapture takes place. Many of our saints are buried there, but we know it says that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up to meet them in the air, and forever shall we be with the Lord. When Paul was speaking here, it says, we which are alive and remain, we know he wasn't speaking about a a general rapture. He was being very specific here. He was addressing the church, the bride of Christ, those that have prepared their hearts, they will be caught up on that day. We also know, and the Word of God lets us know why it's so important that we be ready for that event. You know, if you miss the rapture of the church, you will have missed everything. Everything for the Christian depends on being ready for this day when the Lord comes to catch away his bride. Scripture reveals to us the events that will unfold after this event takes place. Speaks about the Great Tribulation. We won't take a lot of time on that this morning. That will actually be a different doctrine, but we know it's that seven-year period. And Jesus describes that time. He says, There shall be a great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. 
also tells us unless those days should be shortened, no flesh should be saved. It's going to be a terrible, terrible time for those who've been left behind. The Word of God tells us that the Spirit of the Lord, the restrainer, that very thing that's holding back the evils of the devil will be taken away, that church will be caught up, that uh, purifying agent that's in the world today will be caught up and taken away. You know, hell's gates will be flung open. And at that time, Satan will unleash all of his power upon this whole world. At the same time, you have God's fury and wrath being poured out on the disobedient and those that rejected the Lord. It's going to be a terrible, terrible time. If there's anyone that entertains any thought of somehow being able to miss the rapture and live through the tribulation, you're thinking like a fool. There will be no hope. God's Spirit, the very thing that draws man unto himself, the very thing that allows us to be saved, will be taken away. There'll be no hope for the Gentiles after that. The Word of God does tell us that the Lord will turn back to the Jews during that time because of the covenant that He made with them. But Zechariah 13 even tells us that only a third of the Jews will be remain alive, and at that time they'll call on their Messiah. But this is a terrible event. Missing the rapture, you don't want to be a part of that. Doesn't matter how many left behind books you may have read, it's a false hope if you think you can make it through that time. There is event, one event that follows this rapture that we do want to be a part of, and that's the marriage supper of the Lamb. When the Lord raptures us out of this old world, we'll be transported around this huge banqueting table. Jesus himself will serve us. We'll be enjoying all of this while the world goes through that tribulation, but we must be ready for that day. How will it happen? Well, the Word of God tells us suddenly, instantaneously, Matthew 24, 27 says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. When we lived in Woodlake, we lived uh, down at the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountain range, and we would get some very spectacular lightning storms from time to time. And every time that lightning would light up the sky, I was reminded of this verse here. It's going to be like that instantly in a moment of time. It tells us it'll happen in the blink of an eye. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Brother Darrell read these words. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Somebody once said, I don't know who comes up with these studies, but someone once said that the average human blinks 20,000 times in a day. That means there's at least 20,000 times in a day that the Lord could return. So as it will happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, we must be ready. Matthew 24, 40-42 says, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal, the one shall be taken, and the other left. It's hard to imagine the fear, the dread, the terror that's going to grip a person's heart. The moment they realized they waited one day, one moment, too late. 
I think one of the greatest deceptions of the devil is to try to convince people you have more time. It's not that urgent. Procrastination is the greatest enemy to our faith. But oh, that moment when somebody realizes I've missed it. I'll tell you, that will be a fate as bad as of of dying in your sins. There will be no hope if we miss that moment. There's an old song I've been thinking about a lot lately. I'm not sure. I think maybe the Lanny Wolf Trio recorded it. That tells you how old it is. Some of you don't even know who the Lanny Wolf Trio is. But anyway, the song is called One Day Too Late. And I, I've been thinking about the words to that song. It says, I never thought I'd see the day when you came to kneel and pray. I never thought that I would see the church house filled to capacity. And outside the door there's more who have never come before. Oh, what a shame that Jesus came one day before. And you came one day too late. Yes, just one day too late. Jesus came and you've been left behind to wait. Yesterday you couldn't find time for Jesus on your mind. You finally came to call his name one day too late. You've tried to live the best you could. You tried to do the things you should. But when it came to serving God, you said, I still have time to wait. Now it's all turned around. Time for Jesus. Now you found. How sad to think you found the time, but one day too late. Sobering words. Sadly, for some, that's going to be a reality, but the good news is it doesn't have to include any of us. We can be a part of that bride of Christ. Why must it happen? Well, God's Word says it must happen. God's Word said it. I believe it. That settles it for me. God said it will happen. It will happen. 1 Thessalonians 4.15, again, it says, For we say unto you, by the word of the Lord. This wasn't just something Paul made up to tell these believers of Thessalonica. The Spirit of the Lord revealed this truth to Paul. In John 14, verse 2 and 3, we have Christ's own words. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again. And receive you unto myself. Acts 1.11, we know as Christ ascended into heaven, the angels spoke to the man and says, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go. This is going to happen. The rapture is an imminent event. It will take place just like Jesus said it would. We know God is also a God of righteousness and righteous judgment. God cannot allow sin and evil to go on forever. In Luke 18.7, again, Jesus' own words, he said, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry unto him day and night, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Two words there, will. Jesus will 
set the record straight. One day there will be vengeance. There will be justice. You can count on that. Jesus has promised it. And he says, when the Son of Man returns, not if, but when. So we know again, the Lord says it will take place. We know just like the Word of God has promised it, it will happen. I guess the burning question for everybody, when? When will it take place? I can't tell you that. No man can tell you that. The Bible says, but at that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. We don't know the day nor the hour. Jesus has given us all the information we need about this event to be ready. The only thing he hasn't told us is when. But he has let us know the season. The season is now. The season is now. I believe, truly believe we are at the threshold of the Lord's return. I believe we are in the 11th hour. There is no time to waste. It is now. We must prepare our hearts. Jesus told us some things to look for that would immediately precede his coming. He says, as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. What were conditions like in Noah's day? You can turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 6. It tells us what those conditions were like. It tells us that wickedness was great on the earth, and the imaginations of man were only evil continually. Only evil continually. When men weren't committing evil, they were thinking of things that they could do to commit evil continually. You know, there's more and more evidence, overwhelming evidence about the origins of this coronavirus. If you've been watching the news at all, you're aware of it. Many believe now that this is something that was actually produced in a lab by human beings, by men. This wasn't something natural. This was believed by many that this was something that was actually created by man. You think about the havoc this has wreaked on on the entire world, shut down the global economy, cost millions of lives. And to think this is something some man or scientist could have cooked up. It says the imaginations of men are only evil continually. As in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We are there. We're there. There are nations, especially in the Arab world, whose uh, stated purpose and objective, they want to wipe out Israel, take them off the face of the map. It says push them into the sea. They want to destroy God's people. Uh, the imagination of man is only evil continually. We see it all around us unfolding in front of our very eyes. The earth was corrupt and filled with violence. This country used to be considered a Christian nation. I'm not sure about now. Do you realize that in all 50 states, abortion is legal? Last year alone, 73 million abortions were performed worldwide. That's in one year. 73 million innocent babies were murdered in one year. Oh, the Bible says uh, the Lord will require the blood of the innocents you know, this is a terrible time. Evil abounds. Wickedness is great in the earth. Violence fills the land. We have lawlessness and crime. Anarchy in the streets. We see it every day. 
calls to defund the police and to, uh, to dis- disarm law enforcement. What are the results? We know violence, lawlessness. In Portland, Oregon alone, I looked this up, the homicide rate from last year till now has increased 766%. That's one city in this country. Now, please don't move out of Portland. We need you here. But this is just a statistic. This came from the Portland uh, Police Bureau. We see it. It should be so obvious to us. As in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We are there, I believe. Again, we're at that tipping point. All flesh corrupted his way upon the earth. We see lifestyles being promoted that God says are an absolute abomination to him. We have cities devoting an entire month celebrating a lifestyle that God says is utterly filthy. It's an abomination. God hasn't changed his mind on that. We're surrounded. We see it on every hand. PBS just came out with a kids program about a month ago. It's called Let's Learn. It targets children three to eight years of age. The very first episode consisted of a drag queen telling children about how beautiful and how diverse alternate lifestyles are. This is a program that targets three to eight-year-old children. They've corrupted their flesh, as in the days of Noah. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They try to normalize what God says is absolutely against nature. It's an abomination. We see it all around us. We need to be aware. We are there, as in the days of Noah. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus mentioned other signs to look for. Preceding his coming. False Christs. Wars and rumors of wars. Famine and pestilence, earthquakes, persecution of Christians, a declining love for the truth. It says, in the last days, many will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. The nation of Israel, the significance that it plays in Bible prophecy. We don't have the time to go into all of it, but I will tell you this. All of the signs concerning Israel that point to the Lord's return have been fulfilled. Every sign, every sign concerning Israel. We're waiting for the Lord's return. That is the only thing we're still waiting for. It is imminent. We are so close, I believe, at the very door of the Lord's return. We know the rapture will take place suddenly in the twinkling of an eye, even unexpectedly. The Bible says he'll come in an hour when you think not, but we know it won't be without warning. That's the good news. Jesus Christ has warned us. He loves us. He lets us know what's coming. He gives us history in advance, and he provides a way where we can be ready for that event. Thanks to God and his word, his great love, his mercy, the Holy Spirit that convicts us. The Lord has given us all ample warnings of how to be ready. The word of God tells us what we must do to be prepared Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ 
who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We must live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. This is not something we put on when the Lord returns. This is something we must take care of ahead of time. We must do it while it is called today. We must take care of this before the Lord returns. The moment that trumpet sounds, there's not going to be any other opportunities to get straightened out with the Lord. We have to do it today. It says, looking for that blessed hope. Jesus Christ is coming for those that are looking for his appearing. The Bible says the Lord is coming without sin the second time unto salvation to those who are looking for his appearing. Think again of Enoch. Enoch was translated. We can have that same hope that Enoch did, but it also tells us before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. We must have that same testimony. If we want to be translated out of this whole world, before that event happens, we must have this testimony that we've pleased God. That God has made all of the provisions that are necessary. You know, I heard an older pastor, he's since passed away, but he told about a time when he was just a kid and his family lived by this huge scrapyard. And he says you could watch this huge electromagnet that they would hook up to this crane and they would transport the iron back and forth. But he said you could take that huge magnet and you could sweep it across the field there. And he says there were all kinds of different metals that were in that scrapyard. There was steel and copper and zinc and iron. But he said as that magnet would sweep over the ground, not all of that metal would rise and stick to the magnet. He said only the iron would rise and stick to that magnet, whether it was on the surface or down below. What was the reason for this? That iron had the same nature as that magnet did. Well, you know, when the Lord returns, not everybody's going to be caught up in the air, but those that have the nature of Christ, those like Brother Eric said Friday, who've put on Christ, those who've surrendered their lives to Christ, those who've been remade in the image of God, uh, those who are new creatures in Christ Jesus. That's where we start. We start with that experience of salvation. It says when we're saved, we become uh, partakers of Christ's divine nature. You know, we don't want to stop there. We want to be sanctified holy. The Word of God says it's going to be a holy spotless bride without blemish without spot without holiness no man shall see the lord we must be holy we want to be sanctified when the lord comes and we want to be filled with the holy spirit when jesus comes back to catch away his bride he's catching the spirit of the lord out of the world certainly we want to have that spirit in our lives to be caught up with those saints it says if the same spirit that raised up jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. What a hope for the Christian. It says, comfort one another with these words. The very last recorded words in the Bible and Revelation are, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Can you say that in your heart this morning? God bless you if you can. We want to continue looking up. I believe it could be at any moment. If that thought strikes fear or dread in your heart, 
The Lord has given you one more opportunity. Do not delay. Make your peace with the Lord right now. Be a part of that bride of Christ. What a day that'll be to meet together in the air with the Lord. What a wonderful hope we can have. If that's not your hope this morning, it can be. Let's open these altars for prayer. The song is 479. Let's come and seek the Lord.